Welcome to episode 143 of Friends in Film. We're here to bring you the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Hold the Dark. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, this is our first Netflix review, I believe. Second. Second? What did I we do before? I was about to say that until I remembered... Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, which we did. That's in true. Early February. That's true. I forgot yeah. about that one. Uh huh. I think that's, a lot of people have. <laughs> that seems. Like, I mean, no. I mean, I. I mean, I. Yes, I remember doing that now. But I just. I'm surprised we did. We waited a whole week, and there wasn't. I guess there wasn't anything else out in February. Right. Well, yeah. No, there was. We'd seen something. Hadn't we seen something earlier? I don't know. Or no, it dropped on Sunday after we'd seen a previous film. So when we're just like, let's do that one. Oh, the next week. Maybe. That, maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Me I'd, I'd have to go back and look through the episodes or figure out what was going on back then. But <laughs> we need, it doesn't matter. We need a better memory of our back catalog. I guess so. <laughs> um, other than this Netflix movie, though, Josh, before we get to our view, yeah. what else have you watched this week? I revisited um, Mark Webb's. Mark Webb's? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark Webb's um, romantic comedy indie film. Um, 500 Days of Summer. Oh, yeah. Starring Zoe Deschanel, Deschanel. Mm-hmm. not Dutch. Everyone, <laughs> okay. And um, my favorite actor, um, not Tom Hiddleston, but his name is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I almost confused for him. But anyway, <laughs> point is, um, every time I've seen this movie, I've like had a different takeaway from it uh-huh. um, all the time. And the first one was, oh, believe in destiny and love and fate and things like that. And then ironically, that is like the exact opposite of what the movie's like trying to tell you. And it's like, you know, focuses on the joke of Gordon-Levitt's character misreading the graduate and mm-hmm. like what you're supposed to believe and then finally now i like i'm able to see like it's about selfish decisions and delusion and um you know just like being a decent person I mean, right tom is not one of those people um and, he, and by the end of the movie even though it's like oh love it you believe in it it's actually like oh no he's just deluding himself into like you know repeating the summer mm-hmm. cycle again and yeah, I just think that's wonderful. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, 500 Days of Summer is a fantastic movie. It's been a while since I've watched it. Probably at least a year, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a great one. Yeah, best soundtrack of any romantic comedy movie. Really? Yes. Okay. I, mean, I own it, so oh. I'm going to say that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you listen to it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, this week... I checked out what was originally going to be our review. Before the pivot. Before the pivot uh, was Night School, the new Kevin Hart, uh, Tiffany Haddish comedy directed mm-hmm. by Malcolm D. Lee. Uh, I think this movie is enjoyable, but nothing great. It's certainly no girl's trip, which uh, Lee directed last year with Haddish. Um, I don't know if it's just Hart doing his usual Hart shenanigans, um, but like he is not the best part of this movie by any stretch. It is his dynamic with Haddish mm-hmm. or... More importantly, his dynamic with the rest of the night school goers, um, whether it's like Rob Diggle um, or any of the other, I think there's five of them. um, They each bring some really funny moments and probably the best parts of the movie. Um, There's one particular uh, physical gag with Rob Giggle that uh, Mm -hmm. Rob Diggle (laughs) that certainly made me giggle. Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle. Riggle, yeah. Riggle, yes. Um, <laughs> either way, it works. For, yeah, either way, he did make me giggle with that. And then um, there was also, got to find her name real quick, uh, Mary Lynn Rajkub. Uh, she was very funny as well. She's like this stay-at-home mom who's trying to get her GED. Mm-hmm. And like she has like... <laughs> 
she has this moment where she stands up to her husband yeah. and it's really great and really funny. And uh, then there's a school dance and what she does there is mm-hmm. uh, pretty hilarious. So awesome. um, I can recommend it. And the fact that it'll give you enough laughs, but definitely not as many as you would like. Yeah. Is Taryn Killam's uh, professor principal, principal guy yeah. as annoying as he looked in the trailers? He He's just, he is what he is in the trailer. Okay. He, um, I mean, there there's a couple of funny moments from him, but um, more than not, he just, you know, he's the antagonist. You don't really care for him. So. Okay. Um, other than that, let's talk about Hold the Dark. Before that, though. Yes. Where can people find us online? That's a great question. They can find us online at on Twitter at Friends and Film, and they can get the rest of our reviews and um, other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And I swear, I really swear, soon on Spotify. I'm, I'm <laughs> We're this still close. working on it? I'm this close okay. to figuring it out. I've submitted it like 20 times. Um, but if you can, though, on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. It really, really helps. Is there any specific holdup with Spotify that... I have no idea. They just, I, they're just not into Friends and Film, I guess. I've gotten three emails back that say, you did not submit properly. And I've hmm. submitted again and again. So we'll <laughs> okay. figure it out. If we were like on a different service, we could be automatically submitted that oh. through a partnership. Okay. I don't know how that it, do- it doesn't work with SoundCloud right. naturally. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, either way, Hold the Dark is a new film from Jeremy Solnier mm-hmm. um, on Netflix. Netflix exclusive stars Jeffrey Wright, Alexander Skarsgård, Riley Keough. It's a thriller mystery film. Josh, what did you think of this latest Netflix Hold hit? The- well, Hold the Dark is a slow, foreboding, um, like you said, psychological thriller mm-hmm. that's packed with characters as like chilly as the tundra of <laughs> uh, Alaska's frontier. Um, it's no country for old men on ice or in the snow rather than the deserts of uh, Arizona, New Mexico, mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah, somewhere uh, down south. Exactly. Um, it's It's very... It's not it's not the most approachable film. It's abstract in so many ways and you're left just trying to get in the heads of each one of these characters who are dealing with their own turmoils um with either it's uh, about family, really. Mm-hmm. And um at the center of it though is Jeffrey Wright, a writer and um biologist, I guess, semi-biologist who mm-hmm. studies wolves and how he interacts with them. And he is terrific he is intelligent um nuanced and really brings gravity to it even though we don't really know a whole lot about it his presence on screen is um amazing and he really Mm -hmm. just he shoulders the entire movie when we're not treated to some very cold and visceral um action moments um and then at the centerpiece is one magnificent um one that uh involves a 40 caliber gun yeah. and just, you know, a complete total and total massacre. And it's, it's, um, it's really heart racing and that raising stakes after everything being so slow, um, is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but like around the edges, the story kind of me, not meanders, but it just doesn't come together in the end. It creates a mess and it doesn't, really try to clean it up at all Mm. and you're just kind of left sitting there wondering what exactly what was what was the point of everything that had happened we get a conclusion but no um 
I didn't, it doesn't feel resolved mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So, um, I'm left wondering still, but I think it's a three and a half out of five ticket stubs. Um, gorgeous cinematography, the, mm-hmm. the landscape of Alaska had never been more beautiful, um, and dark and cold and ominous in a lot of ways. Uh, James Badge Dale turns in a terrific performance. Mm-hmm. Alexander Skarsgård could, you know, join it and be the second, you yeah, know. After you made fun of his face last uh, week. Did I make fun of his face? I mean, you said they were all have very particular the interesting faces they're very well they're like handsome like yeah, yeah. finished people i think that's what i was getting at <laughs> I right think so. yes yeah. okay i was i wasn't like saying they're ugly they're just distinct people you know yes, them when you yes. see them uh i think i did call one of them a less handsome one but i don't know any point they're, they're still handsome um he is excellent as well um and then uh riley kyo mm-hmm. is she's gonna star in some horror films come later um <laughs> with her distant glazed look and um cold delivery but she was uh terrific as well so yeah three out of five ticket stubs um you saw it yes i did as well <laughs> okay what are you thinking uh pretty much exactly the same as you uh, i thought it was a really good thriller um jeffrey wright is definitely the standout of the movie i just think he's so it's hard to say he's underrated at this point because he turns in, you know, great performances on one of the biggest television shows in the world Mm -hmm. with Westworld basically on a weekly basis when it, when it's actually running, that is. Um, But he just brings such a humanity to all of his roles that you're just like, you instantly can connect with him um, no matter what he is, even though like, yeah, his backstory is a little vague in this one, but he's still like, you just still connect with him and he just draws you in um, pretty effortlessly. And um, moving on from him, Skarsgård, like you mentioned, I thought he was really intimidating just because, I mean, he is a physically imposing figure, but he also just like has that that stern look that you're just like, well, I'm not sure mm-hmm. <laughs> anytime this guy's on screen, like what's going to happen. And then Riley Keough, I just think she continues to impress me every time I see her, whether, I mean, Logan Lucky, she turned in uh, comedic work and this one, she is creepy. She um, has some really great emotional beats as well that I just think, I mean, she seems like the type of actress that is just poised to break out she just needs that big leading role that she hasn't gotten yet um overall i mean i th- thought the movie looked great um, as you mentioned i mean solnier has a background as a cinematographer so this doesn't necessarily surprise even though he's not the cinematographer for this movie in particular um but he, i think his just vision is still seen through this movie as you mentioned the alaska landscapes everything about it just looks exceptional mm-hmm. um and yeah it's it's the story that really just leaves you wondering and guessing and to a certain degree that's that works for this movie because it is a thriller it's a mystery thriller and at home on your couch with laptops uh phones dogs whatever it may be there's lots of distractions around you right and for me that's always you know somewhat of a hiccup when you try to watch netflix films just because there's so much other things that can distract you when you're Mm -hmm. not in a theater sure it's just there's theater etiquette and it's harder to apply that to yourself when you're watching alone at home on netflix but this movie did keep me locked in the whole time because I was just kind of like wondering, wait, what is actually happening? What is going on? And um, for that, it's an impressive thing for a Netflix movie to do. And and I think Solnier's execution of the story, while not perfect, it still gives you enough mystery and intrigue to make you keep wondering and you know keep you engaged until the final moments. And then you're kind of left like, wait, what? And that's where you think back across the movie and you're, you try to piece together some of the unanswered mm-hmm. questions. Yeah. 
So um, on that note, I will also give it three and a half ticket stubs, and then we can move into spoilers. And I will say this. I did not recognize Riley Keough. Like, as soon as you said Logan Rocky Lucky, I was like, no. And then <laughs> I just did a quick search. Uh-huh. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. So the great character actor right there. She's also in Mad Max for a road, I believe. Yep, that is correct. And she's in It Comes at Night, which is another creepy thriller. Um, and I think she just signed on to be like a guest role in Riverdale. So like <laughs> her career is very interesting, but um, and she's also been under the Silver Lake at the end of the year with Andrew Garfield. So um, this will not be, I believe, I mean, we don't, I don't know if we'll actually review the movie on the pod, sure. but this won't be the last time we see her at least this year. Good. Yeah, so, excellent. Um, spoiler talk. What? Where do you want to start with? Well, I want to. I liken this to old No Country for Old Men mm-hmm. in the way that it just happens and just sits there without trying to tie up loose ends, really. Yeah. And we do get some um, resolution with Jeffrey Wright's character, uh, Russell Core. He gets to see his daughter again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's left out in the snow after everything is ending, and that's kind of like the little happy moment. Yeah. As um, bells will be ringing. It's, it's Christmas time starts to play into the uh, credits, which I thought was like an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, what a way to end this thing. But the story quickly becomes that Russell Core, who has been hired to hunt down this wolf for um, Medora, mm-hmm. Riley Coe's character, um, the wolf didn't end up taking her son. No. She ended up strangling her son and hiding him in the cellar. Mm-hmm. And it quickly becomes... Um, this kind of like, uh, I don't know, chase type, catch me if you can't, not yeah. chase, catch me if I you mean, can, but um, a mystery thriller hunt. Yeah, film. where now Russell's after her mm-hmm. to find him. Um, and then also Skarsgård, Vernon Stone, her husband, also comes back from the war to find all this out. And then he wants to find her on his own. So it's kind of a, a race to see who can find her first. Is it yeah. going to be Skarsgård or Wright? And... I, don't, I didn't love the fact that they basically found her at the exact same time mm-hmm. because it's just like, I mean, it's a, it's a movie thing. Like you kind of have to do it that way, but right. it's just like so coincidental that they're both there at the spring at the exact same time. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least the the journey to get there at least was interesting. Oh, absolutely. Especially for Skarsgård's side um, or um, Vernon's side yeah. as he kind of like winds his way through this outback, not outback, but um, this frontier mm-hmm. um, visiting, you know, um, I guess not. I want to say Native Americans, yeah. Native Alaskans, probably a better way to phrase that, um, and sort of just kind of like seeping seeping us into the lore of what these people believe, and it mm-hmm. kind of so we kind of learn that he's sort of like this wolf, yeah, and he's either out for revenge or um, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of like becomes his his moniker. But when he finally does catch up with Medora in that hot spring, um. He doesn't kill her or, mm. I mean, like not saying like I'm, I'm upset about that, right. but there's, but there's definitely building to that. Yeah. They're building to, you know, they're putting him on this revenge path. And when we get there, there's a knowing exchange or something transpires between them mm-hmm. that you, you can't really quite pick up on and they just leave together. Yeah. It seems like there's like, he's almost implying Solnier is that, when Vernon has the the wolf mask on, uh, that he is like a different, he has a different mindset or that mm-hmm. he's like, not that he's possessed necessarily, but that something else is maybe like controlling him, which is so when he's choking Medora up against the wall, she takes the mask off him 
and then they like just look at each other and then he like s- slowly lets go yeah and then they like start making out and drop to the floor mm-hmm. and you're like oh uh, okay yeah um and then yeah like you mentioned they they leave together they go find the body of their kid um and just go off on their own yeah, which into the night was one of the big questions i had because like to me it seemed like they were setting it up where this was almost like a, a spiritual thing where there were they're like um after skarsgård and his friend uh chion like killed a bunch of cops and the and the uh, person at the morgue that they stole their kid's body and went and buried it in this box in the snow. And when they were doing that, Chion slit um, Vernon's arm, and then mm-hmm. they started doing these blood paintings on the coffin. And I was like, okay, yep. is this like some like spiritual ritual thing um, that somehow like they're going to try to bring the kid back or the soul's going to be repur- repurposed or something like that? And then if that is the case, we don't know it. I mean, they at least go to the degree to where Vernon and Medora take the grave um, afterwards. So they take their kid with them wherever they're going next, which I guess leaves it up to interpretation on what is going to happen with the body. Um, But I mean, it it was, I wish they would have answered some of that more. Yeah. um, Because it it just leaves you wondering. And um, Medora tells Russell's care, or um, Jeffrey Wright's character in that cave as they depart now you understand. Yeah. But I've I clicked back today three times to try to understand what that final word that she says to him is. Mm-hmm. And the best I can make out is the scar. But hmm. I don't know what her final line to him is. And I so I'm like, oh man, I have no idea. You didn't turn on a closed captioning? Oh, I didn't. Why didn't I think <laughs> of that? Um, I'm going to do that before the the review goes up. Okay. But, um, yeah, maybe that'll actually shed some light. I mean, it's possible. But it definitely it's definitely seated, though, in the idea that um, people going through trauma are going to do things that we don't understand, I believe. Yeah. Vernon comes back from um, the war in Iraq, mm-hmm. um, where the very first introduction to him is just lighting up um, Iraqis yeah. in the back of a... Hummer or whatever the case is. Yeah, and then he goes and murders a fellow um, soldier because he's like he's raping a local there, Mm -hmm. and then he gets shot in the neck, and you're like, oh, yeah, wait, he can't be dead, and exactly, sure enough, he didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, why are we set out here? And then I realized, oh, they're showing us he's coming back home. Um, And then Medora was dealing with, I guess, cabin fever, postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. you know, like things like that. She speaks about a darkness out there. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's sort of like these vicious human impulses mm-hmm. on the edges uh, on you know in society or on the edges of society and none of that really comes through at the end no it's just all right they did these things jeffrey wright's character's mm-hmm. happy or is beginning to be happy or was reunited with his daughter finally something that he's been longing for and it's why he came to alaska yeah. to find so that 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 part of it still eludes me as of this taping, um, but the journey to there, I think, like you said, is interesting and mm-hmm. breathtaking as we get, you know, flown all across Alaska. Yeah, it's one. It's one of those movies where I mean, it's not like a, a nocturnal animals in the sense where it's like I feel like there's some key to this that I can unlock and then figure out the grander message necessarily. Um, 
but I do think there is some subtleties to this movie that you can pick up on on rewatches or in deep dives or whatever. Um, one of them I was kind of confused about, and then I was reading an article on screener.com mm-hmm. um, written by Alex Lederber, um, doing a He did an ending explained article and keyed me into one of the things that I was wondering about, but then he he had solved it and sure. so in the, like the middle of the movie at some point in the movie there's a picture in the uh, in Vernon and Medora's household of a young child mm-hmm. uh, y- a young boy and a young girl and at first glance I was like oh that's their kids wait what happened to the girl did they also do this before kill their own daughter um it is apparently the case that they aren't just husband wives, they're sister brother. That would make a whole lot of sense because then um, we are, we're given, we're given information later in the film about how they have the same eyes and they yes. resemble each other, um, which either implies that they were once in Europe and they just travel all across the world trying to plant down roots and kill their children mm-hmm. and then start pack up and moving or, okay, that which and then jives with, earlier information where she doesn't have a memory that he has not been a part of. Yeah. She says, well, I never, I don't remember ever meeting him. He's just always been there. So yeah, the implication is that they're, they're twins um, or at least brother and sister at the very least. So that is interesting. And then there's also apparently um, a notion that she is pregnant again with another child, um, which is why for some reason that she killed their pre-existing child because mm. there's like the line about well you know wolves sometimes kill their own um to preserve the pack yes. so in some ways i guess there's the potential that a second child would disrupt the um the relationships in the family or the structure or something and so she felt that she had to kill mm. their one to allow the second one to come um which again, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, well, maybe I need to rewatch this movie. Yeah. Um, which is a credit to it in some instances where it's like, well, I, I maybe would have wished some of these were a little more clear um, in their execution. The potential to rewatch it and figure out more yeah. um, is a credit to a mystery thriller to a certain degree. For sure. Yeah. And then there's another dynamic with James Badge Dale and um, Jeffrey Wright's character where they're eating dinner and they're discussing their families and we learn. Um, right you know hadn't been a great father mm-hmm. and um, they kind of discuss like what you would do for your children yeah. what you would do for your family and um, right gets into explores the notion that Medora had killed her kid to protect her from the world mm-hmm. and they said who knows like understanding the psychology of yeah. crazy people is really hard to do yeah so and I am glad that they brought back uh, or they not they brought back but they finally had that reunion between Wright and his daughter at the end of the movie because Leading up to that, I was like, well, you know, he makes that really emotional phone call to her, just like, I'm out here, I'd really like to see you, I'm mm-hmm. um, sorry I called you at work, and you're like, and then that, that's like the only mention of him being a father throughout the rest of the movie, and you're like, hmm, like, so it seems like such like a weird scene to include in this movie that's not really going to have any significance, and then there's like even the line where he's talking to James Badger Dale and uh, his wife that like, oh, so like, when's your little one due? you're 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 43 that's a little old to have you know your first child and he's like and then he is asked if he has children and he says yes um but i wish i would have known how meaningful it was back then when it first happened so um there's clearly some regret there in his life of not being the best father even the best husband there's no really implication that he is still married um 
So I think there's still some character stuff to to dive in with Jeffrey Wright's character, um, which again is just uh, makes me at least interested and watch this movie again instead mm-hmm. of like most you know movies or even especially like netflix movies like i yeah don't really care if i ever see that again it's based off a novel by um mm-hmm. william giraldi mm-hmm. uh, or giraldi uh so i put that in my um amazon cart so okay I'm gonna be i this i have this is this entire setting and film has definitely um maybe want to explore more yeah um and then still the significance of the wolves um I'm still puzzled over that a little bit. I think there's some idea of like savagery and, um, I don't know, just the pure instinct type of a thing. Yeah. Like reverting to like an animalistic nature or something. Right. So like those are there, but I can't, I keep feeling there's something more to it. Um, but yeah, at this moment, still just a tad elusive, Uh, which is what I would like in a movie rather than, you know, being like, all right, all obvious. Yeah. But it's just, it's just, just too much fog. Um, to really say <laughs> this is truly something great yeah. um, other than, you know, just being another really dark and visceral film from mm-hmm. Salazar or Sonnier. Sonnier. Thank you. Yeah. Um, is there a favorite scene of yours you want to mention real quick before we end this? I think it's the shootout. Yeah. It's I mean, that is, it's one, it's the most heart pounding moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's James Badgedale and his entire police force just getting gunned down yeah um in a very i mean in a way that kind of like puts the hurt locker like you know in the oh they went too they were too soft in that movie (laughs) i mean we just let you just you just see i don't know um i think chion's character yeah um a alaskan native just shred an entire police force. Yeah, like probably close to like two dozen or something. Exactly. And then return to firing over their bodies and like using them as bait. Yeah, and he was like the, the young kid. I was like, man, he is really toying with this kid. Like he shoots mm-hmm. him in the foot and then like instead of just like going over his body, he like gets him across the leg a couple more times. I'm like, man, yeah. this guy is really mean. And then you just realize everyone there is almost like, it's like a, is a coward yeah. because they're content on letting him, you know, just sit there mm-hmm. um like a wounded duck and then right you know runs out there and just looks up at him and like yells stop it yeah and like that moment was like wow jeffrey wright can really act oh, I, mean, yeah. I knew that before but right there was like that that sealed the deal yep every everything off. he did here i'm just like man marvel please get him as doc Ock, please oh, please he would be perfect it'd be so good especially um, too if they do that you know that sympathetic viewpoint of him again. oh yeah i mean i don't know how you have a jeffrey wright character and not have him be somewhat sympathetic mm-hmm. just because he is like i mentioned there's just layered. a lot. There's just a likability to him. Yeah. Um. We were just like, oh, I like this guy, and then you're like, oh man, he's becoming a crazy scientist. No. Yeah. <laughs> Spider Man, sure. don't kill him. Just like you know, disable him. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, my favorite scene was also the shootout. Um. Even though the lead up to that, I was it, the movie was kind of losing me because there's like a five to seven minute conversation between Badger Dale and Chion, and I'm just like, okay you're this is just this just keeps on going and i was like this this made it just feel like it was just a Did like you, f- like you mentioned um like this is just an event happening and playing out instead of like a movie um almost where i was like okay like i think s- this could have been trimmed down to like maybe three minute stops mm-hmm. and then we get into the action but yeah but i will say i that conversation is fascinating though too because badge i mean it goes back to this frontiersmanship aspect mm-hmm. this these natives just trying to skate by as society around them changes and badge like dude we did all these things for you 
Like, you should be grateful. You mm-hmm. should help us out. And he's like, you helped us so we could, like, take a crap in our houses right. and have running water. And you think we owe you our lives or something like that? Yeah. I mean, like, you guys wanted to do that so you could parade us out in front of people. And then it gets to the end, near the end of the conversation where Badshell's ready to give up. And he's like, you don't want to have a standoff here. One of these guys out here is planning on retiring to San Diego tomorrow, you know, or next week mm-hmm. or at the end of the month. And Chion looks at um, him and says, what the heck's San Diego? Yeah. What's San Diego? San Diego, never heard of it. Exactly. <laughs> never heard of it. And it's just like all of these, all of their values, everything they hold dear and, you know, like and love mean nothing to him Mm -hmm. as he talks about how his daughter was taken by wolves and his wife left him and it's just like oh that's a hard truth Mm -hmm. and you know it and it kind of a little wind river-esque yeah there's a lot of wind river vibes i mean not i mean not just setting i mean the setting's an obvious one Mm -hmm. but yeah definitely reminded me of it absolutely all right so that is all we have for our view of hold the dark the netflix exclusive now streaming so you guys can watch it literally right now as you're listening to the podcast if you are at least have a mobile phone or netflix account mm-hmm. ready and queued up it is at your disposal you don't have to go out and uh, check it out in the theater so definitely check it out on our recommendation and if you can watch it on the biggest screen because like we said yeah cinematography it is great um so that's all we have for our view of hold the dark we'll be right back in a bit with the news back with the news and as always we're gonna start with our three main topics this week we have a big birds of prey update coming from warner brothers in dc as they officially gave the movie a february 7th 2020 release date not only that did they also cast their huntress and black canary um with mary elizabeth winstead being cast as huntress and journey smollett bell joining as black canary according to deadline they were the ones to break this news um we still have the roles of Renee Montoya and um, Cassandra Kane to be cast, as well as they are potentially looking at Ewan McGregor and Shalta Copley for the villain, which is rumored to be Black Mask. So we got all this news about Birds of Prey, Josh, the casting, the date. What do you think about it? Love all of it. Yeah. Especially the, I mean, first of all, for, um, going off of last week, Mary Tyler, Elizabeth Winstead in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was, I, mean, I think I was already here for it. Yeah. Um, but now I'm just like a thousand percent sold because first of all, I mean, she, I don't know. It's not hard to pin down um actor, but like when she gets into a movie, it's usually a great movie. I can't think of a movie that she was in lately. That was just like, Bleh. yeah, I can't. She picks her projects very well. No. Yeah. And I don't know. She, and if she even brings a hint of her performance or like, you know, she's great but anyway 10 Cloverfield Lane one of her best movies ever and like that's the last film she's been in uh she actually just had one release um this past weekend in limited release I am pulling up the name right now um something about Nina all about Nina limited Uh, release means it's an indie all all about Nina okay it's her in common and uh apparently it's pretty good oh well then there we go okay I haven't seen it yet or know about it but anyway point being epic but the Eagle mcgregor thing is even cooler <laughs> and i want i mean okay it's as cool how about that um because i love him 
and him in a DC movie would be perfect because he's turned himself into a great character actor. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, if you didn't know that, go watch Fargo, and you will know that as he plays two different characters. Um, so yeah, that's awesome news too, and I think that's my favorite. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Mary Elizabeth Winstead casting as Huntress is pretty great. Um, like you mentioned, she kind of can do anything. Um, but this one will finally give her like an action-ish role. I mean, she kind of did that with like, you know, her the fourth Die Hard movie. She's John McClane's daughter. Um, and his task was some action there um, in like the climactic moments. But like she hasn't had to do anything like this where she's already said like, oh, yeah, I'm training with a bow and arrow. Um, like she's going to be ready to be Huntress, which is pretty cool. Um, and the Journey Smollett Bell She's not. She wasn't the choice that I wanted because I, I said you know Google bought the raw last week, but that is not to say that Journey Smollett Bell is not going to be a great Black Canary because, as we mentioned last week, she's on Friday Night Lights. That's my big biggest exposure to her. Um, not even for other shows. I know she's been on like a True Blood and other things. So, Parenthood as well. Um, and then she's even like I guess she debuted back in Full House, which I don't know. Apparently, she's one of Michelle's friends or something, which I don't remember. Um, but I'm sure if I saw a picture or something, I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember her now. Uh, which is just funny that she's not going to be Black Canary, which is cool. Um, and I, I really just want to see them two together. I mean the the Black Mask casting. Uh, personally, I mean yes, I love you McGregor as well. I think he'd be a great um, Professor X in the MCU. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and I'm I, not that he can't do a villain, but Charlotte Copley is such, he does such a good job as a villain mm-hmm. that I just want to see him as Black Mask. I think he's got that distinct voice. He's got the, um, he, he fits to me more of the mob boss mentality that Black Mask would bring. So if I was them, this is still early. They haven't even met about the role necessarily, but if I was one brother, Charlotte would be my number one out between him and Ewan. So, okay, um, yeah, yeah, you, great. I don't think you could go wrong. Um, I did Google, and she, yeah, she is Michelle Tanner's oh, yeah. sassy friend. Yep, I remember now for sure. It's um, crazy stuff. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean the twenty twenty release date seems perfect. Um, coming out early February. This movie's gonna start filming in early twenty nineteen, so it's gonna be just about a year from filming starts when it hits theaters, which was kind of expected. But now that it is officially coming out in twenty twenty. Um, it means we now have five DC movies dated, which is uh, pretty impressive after what has been interpreted as years of turmoil for them. Right. We've had DC movies dated before. That's so true. We'll but see if, but we'll this see one if... actually looks like it's yeah. happening. Like they're, they're casting. They have a director. It doesn't look like they're going to let Kathy Yan leave. Margot Robbie appears to be very much in control of the project. So yeah, the center is going to hold. Yeah. I feel it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're going to have another like Rick Fame US situation where it's like a couple months before shootings begin. Yep director's out oh mm. well now the project's back to square one so um this seems like great news i'm very excited for birds of prey um, especially if they i mean there's been talk of an r rating for it um that'd be very cool to see all these ladies kick butt with uh no uh ratings holding them back exactly yes <laughs> so um, especially too because i mean it just it opens up the gambit of what you can of types of comedy and action you can go for oh yeah you don't want it to be a gore fest but also when you can when you can use a few swear words to um, liven things up, I think it'd be good. Right. I mean, you have to strike somewhat of a balance because unless DC and Warner Bros. is just going to let Harley always be an R-rated character, there's that balance of, well, how do you go from PG-13 Suicide Squad to R-rated Birds of Prey to then potentially back to PG-13 Suicide Squad 2 sure. um, or like bump Suicide Squad 2 up to an R-rating. doesn't really matter for Birds of Prey. All I care about is that it's a good movie, good script, mm-hmm. good directed, and 
they have great casts so far. So at least from a performance perspective, I think all of them are going to uh, do a very good job with yeah, this. It's got a really good hand. So then we also, according to Daily Mail's Baz Bemig boy, um, he reported this week that Ralph Fiennes and Harris Dickinson are joining the Kingsman universe. They will apparently first debut in Kingsman 3 before they become the stars of the Kingsman prequel, Kingsman the Great Game. So uh, Harris Dickinson will reportedly play Conrad in the movie. That's based on character descriptions where he's like in, um, he, he is the descendant. He is the son of like a higher up in the country. So he's like, okay. it's kind of reverse Eggsy where Eggsy's, low class he's mm-hmm. high class and then ralph Fiennes is just going to be the mentor figure. So he's going to be the new harry hart basically so um very excited for these castings um especially ralph Fiennes. um i'm currently watching all the harry potter movies i'm going oh, to yeah. have them all done the day after you guys are hearing this i'm going to do a double header and knock out duffy hollows part one and two so um i'm really enjoying his voldemort this is obviously a very different character than that but uh, Ralph Fiennes is super talented and him joining the Kingsman franchise I think is great and Harris Dickinson um, was in the Darkest Minds earlier this year for uh, Fox as well so they obviously liked his work there I thought he was good in the movie not necessarily a standout um, but it seems like this is uh, some good casting and if this can actually get off the ground a Kingsman prequel could be interesting so there's no chance you think Harris is playing a young Harry Hart uh, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, okay. I don't think I'd want that. Honestly, like I like Harry being where he's at now. And mm-hmm. I like that. It's Colin Firth. Um, if anything, I, like give me a Harry Hart prequel and just like DH Colin Firth a couple of years and just okay. set it like the year or two before the first Kingsman. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, the prequel, I think is just kind of strange, especially since the last one kind of received lukewarm reviews mm-hmm. and especially here too. Uh, so I don't know. I didn't know there was a poll for this, but uh, yeah, I mean, Matthew, I can... Matthew Vaughn has large plans for this. Like he wants, he's obviously doing Kingsman three, which got its release date for next year. Um, this spinoff uh, or this prequel is if all things go according to plan, Vaughn wanted to shoot them back to back. I don't know if he, that means he's directing the prequel and Kingsman three, or if he's just hoping that, well, we're going to do Kingsman three and then whoever comes on next will fill in the gap and shoot right after us. But then he also wants a spinoff movie starring the Statesman. There's a, there's talk of a TV show as well. So uh, there's big plans for the Kingsman universe. Again, this could all change when mm-hmm. the Disney Fox merger goes through and they could say, Hey, great. You can finish Kingsman three, but sure. We have no interest in continuing these expansive universe. Yeah. Maybe it's a Kingsman fire sale over at Fox. Possible. Vaughn was like, I'm going to do all of this. I'll personally yeah. oversee it. You can pay me $10 million because I know when Disney comes through, we're done. We're yeah, done. We're going to take off his work, throw it out the window, but mm-hmm. he's still going to get his money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Develop everything. Yeah. Genius. But Colin Firth, like you said, I did not know he played Voldemort. When I watched the Harry Potter. Or Ralph Potter. Fiennes. Or Ralph Fiennes, thank you. I did not know he played mm-hmm. Voldemort. Um, that's wild, but now I can see the eyes yeah. in Voldemort, even though they're sunken and death and lifeless. But <laughs> um, Ralph, Ralph Fiennes in anything is great. Mm-hmm. If you still haven't seen him in the Grand Budapest Hotel, you're missing his oh. greatest performance it, it, Yeah, he's, he's great in there as well. Um, and I also just watched him in um, the movie Red Dragon, which I guess is a Silence of the Lambs prequel Ooh. starring uh, Anthony Hopkins and Edward Norton. And he's like, he's the Red Dragon. He's the villain of the movie and uh, pretty good stuff from him. Hannibal's the hero? Uh, it's, he is, 
it starts very weird, but then the main plot of the movie is that he is basically helping Edward Norton trying to solve this. Oh, so he's just like the sage old guy in the yeah. blacklist who was... Because Edward Norton basically caught him as the one that put Hannibal Lecter in jail the first time, mm-hmm. which where is where he's at when uh. Silence of the Lambs begins. And then, so it's like Edward Norton going to him for, to, for advice to figure out the mindset of this other new serial killer. Hmm. So it's actually, it's directed by Brett Ratner, which I was like, oh man, this movie's going to suck. And it was actually pretty good so uh, it's on netflix as well okay i'll put that in the queue uh, but then the last uh story of our main topics here this week is uh, dark phoenix because it had its trailer launch this week and then just a few hours or basically days later uh fox decided to delay the movie again <laughs> uh which it was pretty supposed to come out february 14th of 2019 after it was really supposed to come out november 2nd or 8th or something mm-hmm. uh, of this year it has been delayed to February fourteenth, and now it has been delayed again to June or uh, to June seventh, twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. I had the year wrong in my uh, in my uh, document. I was like, "That's not right." It's it didn't, moved twenty times. It, it didn't get it didn't, forgiven. It didn't get moved to twenty twenty. It's like that can't be right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's coming out June seventh, twenty nineteen. Now, so a couple more months for them to finish up reshoots, to finish up visual effects on those reshoots, and. I think the decision for it to come on the heels of the trailer is interesting. I don't know if this is always a planned thing or if they're waiting for a reception on the trailer. From what I saw, I thought the trailer was, you know, it was good. It it didn't look like a dumpster fire that I expected this movie to kind of be just because there's, they filmed it really quickly in secret. Um, there's been no marketing at this point. It's supposed mm-hmm. to come out in a couple months. It's already been delayed once before. Um, and I mean, I think the trailer looks fine and the fact that they are delaying it, I think to me speaks to the reshoots probably going a little longer than they anticipated. I know at ScreenNet, we already put up a theory that, uh, the reshoots are actually reshooting. It was already reported that the reshoots were focusing on the third act, yeah. but now we're speculating that it, it is doing it more so to tie up the entire X-Men franchise because they know that Disney's going to wipe them away sure. <laughs> they're gonna snap their fingers when they get over there and they're gonna be dusted so we're theorizing that maybe they're reshooting it to make it feel like a proper conclusion instead of like this movie's gonna end with like some big cliffhanger and then mm-hmm. it's like well we're never obviously gonna see that so sure. um if that's the case cool um and the fact that we have to wait a couple more months for dark phoenix i still don't care yeah i like there's i have absolutely <laughs> no um the the trailer did not inspire any feelings for me. Like this looks like an X Men movie. Um, like if you had if you told me this was actually a trailer for Days of Future not Days of Future Past for um, Apocalypse or the first uh, first class first class would have been like oh yeah that's it mm-hmm, for sure looks like all the same characters okay good yeah. I Sounds mean, they, they've barely aged in a, a day besides this movie taking place 40 years after first class. Right. So, you know, I, yeah, I mean, look, there's some interesting things going on. Jean Grey's um, powers mm-hmm. and her through lines being done by Sophie Turner look impactful and real and um, emotive, but everything else around it just looks like stock X-Men stuff. Yeah. Like you, I think I've seen all of that footage before. In, some way or another yeah especially i mean not with this cast necessarily but there's this is the second adaptation of the dark phoenix storyline mm-hmm. um on the big screen and simon kberg wrote the first one and this one just seems like almost beat for beat like the last one right and like how many times do you have to go f- out into the middle of nowhere to go find magneto and say come back to society and be a part of some team you know every just, every movie every movie how many times do you have to let him you know kill 
thousands of people that just be like, oh, it's okay, Magneto, won't you join us? And then he still says no, and then you guys fight again in 10 years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jessica Chastain looks terrific in the role, um, but we'll know more. I don't know. I don't, I could not get an impression on her. Uh, I mean, she she looks, she looks fine, but it's not like, oh wow. Her performance really stood out in those two minutes. No, but the character seems like it'll be intriguing. Other than that though, everything else just looks like more X-Men, like more of the same X-Men bleh. Yeah. That has been, I believe everything since first class excluding Hugh Jackman's parts of Days of Future Past. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, Let's move on then to the flyby. We're obviously not going to give a ticket to Dark Phoenix because we just talked about it and it wouldn't (laughs) honestly stand a chance against the rest of the trailers that came out this week because it was a pretty good week for trailers. We got our second look at Bumblebee, the final trailer for Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, the second trailer for Creed 2, and the first trailer for Holmes and Watson. Uh, Out of these four contenders, Josh, which one is getting your ticket? Despite Holmes and Watson's best efforts and a really good showing by Bumblebee, it's Creed 2, of course. Holmes and Watson's best efforts were not that good. Yeah, I know. So It, like was, I said, it, was, it was a like, little disappointing. Yeah, I'm just not, I'm not sure what the humor is that they're going for. There's like, oh, here's the selfie. Um, it's like, I don't, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so hot. And I'm like, <sighs> I was like kind of laughing because it was Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, and I like both of them. But then when I saw it a second time in the theater, I was like, oh, is, I'm, I'm not really feeling this. Yeah. But anyways, Creed 2. Cable Jr. is going to have his pick of the litter of any film project when he's done with this movie because it is looking fantastic. Um, Adonis has like this fire mentality as we see him training out back into his roots in like the Mexican desert. And then we get these, you know, slash cuts over to um, the villain Drago and yeah. it's a steely ice raised in hate as rocky you know kind of like narrates for us and them colliding i don't know i love it, it it's looking great um and ludwig goranson mm-hmm. who is composing the music of this movie, oh he is yes oh great has used the rocky score impeccably yeah in the crescendo of the film, where I was just like, you, it's it's almost like I don't want to say it's in like an R and B version of it, but it's like well, it's the mix pop. between that and a DMX song. So yeah, it's uh, like the intertwining of it all was perfect. Well, whoever did that, I don't know if it was um, Goranson or not. Yeah, or like the trailer editing people or something. But triple thumbs up because <laughs> I was just like, it felt like a colliding of two worlds, and I was like, yes. My ticket goes to Creed 2. Yeah, uh, my ticket also goes to Creed 2. Um, I was very happy for this job. Anytime the Creed 2 social media account posted anything, I was like, can we mm-hmm. get a trailer? Can we get a trailer? I'll just quote it because I'm like, I need it. Yeah. It comes out in November and we still had only had one trailer at this point. I was like, we got to have something. It was kind of making me a little worried because I thought the first trailer was great. And then I was like, but they're not showing anything else. Like, does mm-hmm. this mean that they don't have faith in movies? They think that this movie sucks. Like, oh, oh I don't think so. But, right. you know, the, the doubt starts to creep in and then they dropped this awesome trailer and i was like oh okay this is why they just wanted to wait until everybody was ready for more creed and then they dropped it and my timeline just exploded creed 2 hype and i was like this is exactly what my timeline should be all the time yeah (laughs) because creed is awesome and creed 2 is going to be awesome based on this trailer um just everything about it looks great i love you know obviously there's some uh, rocky four parallels here um and taking rocky where he uh, trained and did his training montage in the cold mountains mm-hmm. 
to taking Adonis then and putting him in the desert sun. And like, I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the younger Drago, like his workout routine was just like the most intimidating thing I've ever seen. Like his shoulders are like bigger than my body. And then he did like the jump thing with the ropes. And I was like, that just, I don't think any human can do that. Um, <laughs> right. And like, he just looks like such a physically imposing threat that I'm just like, I don't know how Adonis is going to do this, but he will, he will prevail yeah. <laughs> if he loses a second time. You hope? I'm going to be really sad. <laughs> um, my big question though, for this, uh, it's not the big question um, sure, for, the, for this week, but it is, what is the uh, Drago um, Rocky relationship going to be that? Cause we only see them have, they have that one look in the ring, mm-hmm. which appears to be, between a fight between the two, between um, the younger Drago and Adonis. I don't know if that means it's the final fight or if they fight twice in the movie or something or what happens. Um, but like, I want to know like what that conflict is. Like they're clearly their their stuff hasn't been resolved because Stallone has the great line where he's like, he, he, uh, he broke stuff in me. That's never been fixed. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. Like Stallone, if you wrote that line, Hats off to you, or it's either him or Cho Hidari Coker. Yeah. Um, either way, great line, great trailer. And if, like, is, I, I just really want to know how this is going to play out because I feel like they're going to have to do something with obviously the previous Drago Creed fight where mm-hmm. Creed died. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, there has to be something built into the finale where it's like, you know, is Creed going to be on the verge of killing the new Drago? And then, um, um, the older one, Dolph Lundgren, is going to like call the fight and put like put a stop to it, or Stallone will, or will you know Drago be close to killing Adonis, and then Dolph is going to be like, no, 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 like we're calling it, we're, we're ending the fight because I'm not going to let another Creed die at the hands of a Drago. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to know how that relationship's going to play out because if they do it really well, then I think this movie is going to be great. But if like that that kind of flounders in the overall story like i feel like that's where this movie could maybe lose some steam compared to the first movie yeah it's like rocky four is you know how they did creed in that movie um like was bad was not great (laughs) you know and like this is the redemption of that but they are also i mean sylvester stallone's still around here so they're gonna want to like you said tie that up with him and ivan so, yeah, I, who knows? Like, if it's something off screen on in the ring, mm-hmm. or not off screen, that's defeats the, <laughs> the purpose of the movie. Um, you know, out of the main plot of the film. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And I, I just love the idea too that Drago is challenging Creed specifically because of the the past of their families. Yeah, and it's like that one looming thing that he can't get out of his head. Mm-hmm. Is it, I I was like, oh, do we really? I think when we started down the creed two yes. path like do we need yeah. this thing again but the movie is like very clear now i'm like oh yeah this is perfect this mm-hmm. is this is getting him out of his shadow of his father's shadow yeah. and then whatever you know the next five creeds are about because there should be five <laughs> well, there's gonna be at least a third exactly i think michael b jordan even said like oh, i'll do as many as they want mm-hmm. i'm like yes yeah absolutely <laughs> never let this die for sure uh whatever comes after will be even better i think because mm-hmm. it'll be about his namesake rather than right the creed name but you know yeah and the movie looks stunning we haven't seen a whole lot of the 
action yet. Yeah, but I'm which, hoping that's because it's just all one takes and they, means they can't cut it properly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Precisely. But we, we've seen a few punches getting thrown um, in slow-mo. But obviously, you know, cutting that into a trailer is probably like the hardest part, like yeah. you said. So um, it left me wanting more on that, but everything else around it. Excellent. Yeah, it made me feel very good about putting this movie as my most anticipated for the fall. Yeah. Um, you were like, vindicated. Okay. Like, if this second trailer would have sucked, I would be like, oh, man, <laughs> first man. And then <laughs> Can that, I take it back? And then that poster. Oh, the poster's great. Um, and like wow. you mentioned, uh, I have full faith in Stephen Cable Jr. Even though we, I think everybody had concerns initially, of like, oh, Ryan Coogler's not back. Right. What are we going to do? How's this going to work? He's still an executive producer, and I feel like that's, like, the most executive produced he's ever like a movie's ever been like i feel like he is like doing this movie a lot because like he doesn't have any other projects lined up i mean he's now producing space jam 2 mm-hmm. or the space jam reboot i guess is, is what it technically is um but like i feel like he's like watching dailies or going over the script to be like okay well we need to make sure like this story is being told in this way like and i wouldn't be surprised if even though he didn't write the script that it was like based on like his story or something because sure. He started it. I feel like he has a lot of say in where Creed two is going, where Creed three would go, where Creed four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten uh, would all go. So he didn't get Black Panther until months after Creed two or Creed, correct? He, when he got the job, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't I, until after. Oh, I'm, I was almost a guarantee that he had story parts, yeah, set in motion before so, he could picked up that project. All right, let's move on to the fly by then after that kind of extended ticket or skip it. Creed Love time. Um, starting with Kathleen Kennedy, according to THR, is sticking around with Lucasfilm. Uh, they reported that she has extended her contract till 2021, meaning we get at least three more years of her vision of Star Wars. Josh, yep, it's because I turned down the job. No, oh. it's perfect. <laughs> um, couldn't uh, leave friends in film. <laughs> exactly. Uh, four out of four out of three out of the four Star Wars movies have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, grossed over four billion dollars, uh, which makes their money back, not including probably close to five. Oh yeah, actually, for sure. Then you put in merchandising. Oh yeah, and they're probably over licenses. ten. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So obviously a great choice. Um, takes her to twenty twenty one, and. I'm sure there'll be contract extensions and salary raises in the meantime too. This is great for them. I think she's a perfect way to keep leading. Star yeah, Wars. I mean, I think this is great news. I didn't even realize that her contract was up after this year. I didn't either. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is definitely good news. Um, because I mean, if they didn't renew it, then mm-hmm. there's a big hole in Lucasfilm and a big hole with Star Wars and even Indiana Jones. So, um, I've I've liked what Kennedy has done with the Star Wars brand under her leadership. Because we got Force Awakens, we got Rogue One, we got Last Jedi, Solo, different story for me. Um, but I'm glad that she's not going to going to be able to finish, obviously, Star Wars Nine and her vision with that movie and JJ's, but then also get um, the new wave started before. If, if she if then if she hangs it up after 2021, mm-hmm. she'll at least have like the Benioff and Wise trilogy in motion, or she'll have the Ryan yeah. Johnson trilogy in motion, and then she can say, see you later. And hanging up being like, she goes on to run yeah, she Fox becomes Studios. The, or she or becomes like the, the new CEO of Disney or something. Right. After for Bob sure. Iger, you know, goes and runs for president. Mm-hmm. Which, 2020, right? Is that when he's leaving? Uh, Yeah, probably. All right, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we will. Uh, we also got a report this week from Super Movie Bros, or Super Bro Movies, um, that uh, uh, Pedro Pascal is going to play Maxwell Lord, in Wonder Woman 8, 1984, and that he is somehow responsible for Steve Trevor's resurrection. Um, 
very interesting news here. I don't know. I have some background with Maxwell Lord, mainly just like reading up on him and like his limited run on like Supergirl or some like limited runs in the comics that I've seen him in. But apparently he won't have like his psychic powers that he has in the comics for this movie. Instead, he'll be kind of trying to become a god himself. Um, I'm just more interested to see how this businessman guy is responsible for resurrecting a dead guy from 40 years in the past. So questions I have about this movie waiting to see if Patty has figured out the best way to do this, but I believe she has. So it's more just like, okay, if this info is correct, then I'm just mm-hmm. waiting to see how she managed to pull it all together. Yeah. I don't think, I think it was like clone probably maybe. No, cause I mean, they said it, this is like the real Steve Trevor. Like this is like the legit one. Oh geez. Okay. Well, anyway, Pedro Pascal is going to crush it as a wealthy tycoon of, or a Titan of industry. Um, his cane and suits are impeccable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just just a waiting game now. So, um, and I can't wait. That's yeah, for sure. A yeah, whole year away. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we should get, we better get a trailer this fall or this uh, winter. No way. Well, I mean, we'll get one early next year in time for Shazam, but that's, that's the earliest. I hate synergy. <laughs> that's how it works. Um, and speaking of the Wonder Woman 1984, their star Gal Gadot has lined up a new project as Deadline revealed that she is joining Kenneth Branagh's murder on the Orient Express sequel, Death on the Nile. She is the first cast member to join. Josh is pumping his fists yes. in the air like he just doesn't care because mm-hmm. you love this. Yes, I do. I, I watching Murder on the Orient Express, while it's not like the great grandest and greatest film ever created, no. or it's, it is or the best adaption of Agatha Christie's novel, um, I like the old one. Mm-hmm. It is like a warm hug. It's just fun to watch all your favorite people on screen doing characters, voices, putting ridiculous mustaches and outfits on and kind of like having fun, um, except for the one, you know, the villain. But Gal Gadot getting on board the boat. I was going to say the train, but that's not true. <laughs> um, getting on the uh, Agatha Christie Express is going to be so fun because she is immensely talented and a great personality. So whoever she ends up playing um, is going to be fantastic. So I love it. Yeah. Um, I also love this. I mean, Gal is super, I become a very big fan of her over the years as she has become mm-hmm. one woman as she's shown, I think a better side of herself than what she put on screen with like the fast and furious movies where she is more just like, Oh, look at this beautiful woman. And mm-hmm. that, that is her role in those movies where, yeah. Since then, she's been able to go beyond that and grow as an actress. And so seeing her in this Kenneth Branagh um, comedy mystery thriller, I think will be a really fun change for her going from Wonder Woman 1984 to do this movie. And then she'll jump from this to go do Red Notice um, with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So um, I really like how her career is shaping up overall and to see her do this whether she's the killer or somebody who dies eventually in the movie, mm-hmm. um, she's obviously not going to be the first one to go because you don't get Gal and kill her off 20 minutes oh, in the movie. Right. But uh, I'm very excited for this. Yeah. Um, and if may I recommend a GQ profile by Katie of Weaver course. of Gal Gadot, of course. which would um, just endear her more to fans and audiences. To wrap up this episode, we're going to run through some release date changes that came this week, um, starting with Hellboy, which is supposed to come out January 11th of next year, is now been delayed three months till April 12th of 2019. Explains why we haven't really seen anything from this, even though we're probably going to get a trailer from it in the next couple of days at New York Comic-Con. Um, but, I mean, this is uh, interesting news because it comes out now a week after Shazam, So we're, and potentially... If, if if Avengers 4 moves up, as I suspect it will, a week before Avengers 4. So uh, <laughs> this could be, or, or I guess two weeks before. Um, oh, wait, does it come? No, it comes out the week before Shazam 
and then yeah that's yes. how it happens so um either way um it's going to be going up against Shazam either in its second weekend or in its first weekend and um it's just a very crowded part of the month to go to or the release year to go to whereas then if you're stuck in January it's kind of more open and they could have kind of run free with this if it was actually good. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm still not really interested in the Hellboy movie other than it's just, Oh, it's David Harbord on the, on the big screen, but okay, fine. I have to wait three more months. I don't care. Yeah. It'll, I mean, it'll be like, like you said, there's no hype for this. We haven't seen anything except one or two images. Yeah. Technically. Um, and we'll see. It'll all be about that first trailer, but moving it into the middle of like the superhero pack there, Mm -hmm. I think is kind of like a, we just need people to see this. So let's put it in front of movies that we know are going to have some hype around them. Mm-hmm. That seems That's to be possible. the feeling or like, Oh, Shazam sold out. Guess hell boy. Yeah. You know, whatever the case is. Um, so, yeah. but in January it's like, well, nothing's going to be sold out. So you could make a lot of money there potentially, but whatever. Then again, no one's at the theater in January. So I'll be there. Well, but yeah, but <laughs> I'm not going to, obviously not going to make, their entire budget back. <laughs> so um, unless this movie is like the greatest thing I've ever seen and I go see it a billion times um, with my uh, AMC A-list. So uh, we also got a release date change for Alita Battle Angel, which was um, basically a long time coming. Yeah. Uh, this movie moved from December 21st, 2018 to February 14th, 2019, taking the previous spot of X-Men Dark Phoenix. Um, okay. Yeah. Some movie during that week, those two weeks, those three weeks was going to flinch. Yeah. And Alita just made the most they had to Mm -hmm. it was going to get destroyed otherwise between bumblebee mary poppins and aquaman right i still think warner brothers needs to move aquaman either back a week and have it close out the year or move it up two weeks and come out like before spider-verse um just because it it is such a tough battle there's been a lot of good buzz about bumblebee so um i don't know and that that second trailer since i didn't really talk about it was great um if honestly i had to choose i'd probably go bumblebee right now over aquaman in that first weekend so um, it was in my top 10, most anticipated for the it fall. It was, it was. So um, I, I'm excited for that movie. And so having to wait more for Alita Battle Angel, I don't care. I mean, it was already, yeah. it was supposed to come out originally in, in July of this year mm-hmm. and then it got delayed to December. Now it's delayed again. It's just like, who cares? Yeah. Finding a place for it. Um, and then that's exactly what they're trying to do. They know it's going to take a hit. So they just yeah. I mean, it's got a huge budget like on their schedule. So, um, and then the last movie to get delayed again is a movie. We're not even sure will ever really happen, but. Fox insists that it is right now. Um, Gambit's movie starring Channing Tatum uh, was pushed from oh, June 7, 2019 to March 13, 2020. Um, I still don't believe this movie's happening, even though it's been described as a romantic comedy and that they want to start filming early next year. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's not even a script. There's not a director. There's no cast stars around Channing Tatum. So yeah. they have a lot of leg room to do before they can actually get this movie into production. And it not came out until 2020 as of right now signifies they're not really in a rush to uh, get this thing going. Precisely. Do we have a director for Gambit yet? No. Yeah. Unless it's, Channing... it's lost three right. or four. Yeah. So unless I was like, I was like, did yeah, Doug Lyman left. Um, it's been that long, Yeah. but unless Channing Tatum directs this himself and makes it his debut, he may have to, this movie will not be done at all. So, I mean, if this movie is like, I've never had interest or I've never had confidence. This movie's happening for the last like, year and a half probably mm-hmm. and now the disney mergers looming the second that thing happens and goes through if the if gambit has not started filming there is no way that this movie happens so yeah i mean production car pre-production script writing costs yeah they can write, write that off yeah um so that is all we have for this episode next week we're back with a very big movie potentially or maybe a 
giant flop. We don't know. It's it's Venom. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't really care for this movie. It's, I have no I I have no excitement for it right now. Yeah, I, it's just like I had to guess really quick in my head before you said the name of it that Venom was coming out next yeah. week. Um, there's I feel no hype for it. Nope. There's nothing looming in my head. Granted, my head is a mess, but there's no <laughs> there's no thought there that says Venom. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, what's it gonna be? Maybe I can feel differently afterwards. But honestly, when I hear the name Venom, I think Ruben Flesher, and I think, oh, I can't wait for Zombie Land Two. That's yeah. it. That is that is the extent of the process. Or maybe well, maybe maybe that'll feel differently after we see Venom. Precisely. Um, yeah, I I don't really care for Venom. It has never really not to say it, it's never been an interesting project to me. But like, there's nothing from their marketing has gotten me excited for this movie. Um, they're they just screen it for people who are doing uh, interviews and press junkets and they can't say anything about it yet. And then the review embargo supposedly lifts like the day before the Thursday night screening. So doesn't necessarily invoke a lot of confidence on Sony's part that this movie's going to get great reviews mm-hmm. and it still could. And people are like, Oh, we don't know. And it comes out and it's great. And I hope that's the case. Cause I would like to like venom, but right now I just don't think it's going to be very good. So I'm not really interested in it and I'll, not be prioritizing a star is born, but I'm definitely going to be seeing a star is born <laughs> next weekend as well. Did we get a wide release for star is born? I believe so. May I recommend, I hope so. I've been wrong about wide releases <laughs> a lot, but if, if so, I may I recommend Bradley Cooper's profile in the New York times. Uh, oh, okay. it's not a GQ article. Okay. No, it's one's different. Oh, okay. I, I branch out. Sometimes. Oh, okay. Sure you do. Um, we'll also be back this week with a new big question, tackling Deadpool two, getting a PG 13 re-release this December. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty crazy stuff. We're going to talk about PG 13 Deadpool. Is it a good idea? Is it terrible? What does it mean? Um, dive into all that. So send us your thoughts on that as well. Um, but if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more plus head iTunes and give us a five star review with comments telling us why you enjoy listening to the show and then be sure to touch your thoughts are recovered by tweeting us at friends of film and you can follow me personally on Twitter at movie cooper and coops on hoops and you can get at me Josh and just Joshua Ryan thanks again for tuning into the Friends of Podcast Josh thanks for stopping in everyone and be sure to turn next week for our future episodes